An obvious goal for building a business is to be profitable. And I'm frequently asked, how much profit should we take? So while I can't just blurt out a number, I can walk you through how to easily figure it out for your own situation. Stay tuned to hear how. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business -business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. All right, so we have a company that's generating some profit. Woohoo! Let's take a moment to celebrate that. That's fantastic. But if you take out all the profit, of course you're going to be in trouble. And if you leave too much profit in, you're not really being wise with what you've created. So the obvious question is, and one I'm asked all the time, how much is the quote unquote right amount of profit to withdraw from the company? And here's my answer to that. It's not as simple, again, as I said in the intro, I'm not just going to blurt out a number, like here's a dollar amount per whatever, or here's a percentage. Like I'm not going to do that. Uh, what I am going to do is walk you through a very simple step-by-step -step process to figure out how to do it for you and your company. This applies if you're a sole proprietor, if it's a husband and wife who own the company, if it's many partners, it doesn't matter. The ownership makeup doesn't, doesn't change the methodology here. So it doesn't matter if you have four partners, if it's you and your sister-in-law who own the company, whatever it is, this math works the same. There's basically four buckets that we need to consider to decide how much profit to withdraw from the company and how much to leave in. And before I get started, I will say I'm a huge fan of the book Profit First. If you haven't read that, that is a, a helpful guide in a variety of ways. Um, the author of that book does you know, a better job than I probably could on, on uh, explaining a, a specific methodology. What I'm going to give you today is kind of a higher level overview. Uh, again, you could take what I'm going to give you and in a short amount of time, figure out pretty close how to go about deciding how much uh, profit you want to take out of the company, how much to leave in. The author of the Profit First book goes into very detail. He's got charts and graphs and spreadsheets and, and things that are, again, I think they're very useful. Um, and that helped, that book has, has frankly helped me kind of shape my opinion about how we should do this kind of stuff. So huge fan of that book, by the way. If you haven't read it and you're a business owner, uh, I would highly recommend putting that on your list of books to read. Uh, okay, so the four buckets I'm going to talk about today, first and foremost, is the personal income tax bucket. Now, for most of us, the company we own does not owe income tax. If you're an LLC, if your company is an LLC, or you have an LLC filing as an S-corporation, or you have an S-corporation. We, the individuals, own an asset, asset that generates income for us by way of profits, which result from the reduction of expenses from revenue. Simple math. The profits the company produces become our personal income. And we, the individuals, the owners of the asset, the owners of the company, we individually, personally, owe taxes on our personal income. 
The company does not owe taxes, again, excluding C-Corps. Now, if you have questions about this, ask your CPA. If your CPA says your company owes, owes taxes, then listen to your CPA. Don't listen to me. Listen to them. They know your specific situ situation. Obviously, I do not. But for the vast majority of us, we're either an LLC, an LLC filing as a C or S corp, or an L. Sorry, we're either an LLC, an LLC filing as an S corp, or we are an S corp. That's the vast majority. A few are C corps; they're a little different. So for those, the majority of us, those LLCs, LLCs filing as an S corp or S corps, the company does not owe taxes. The individual who owns the company, whose asset is producing their personal income. That individual owes taxes. The company should not, therefore, pay our taxes, meaning the company should not write a check to the Department of Treasury on our behalf. Now, does this happen? Yes. Is it correct? No. Is it the end of the world? Probably not. However, the company should not be writing those checks directly to the IRS because it's not the company's liability. It's not the company's tax. That said, the company should absolutely fund our tax liability payment. So the company does not owe the money and should not directly pay our tax liability, meaning they should not write a check to the Department of Treasury or the U.S. Treasury. But the company should fund our ability to pay our tax liability. So if I owe $50,000 in tax liability because my company produced whatever, five, let's say the company produced $500,000 in profit and then somehow I end up owing in, in April $50,000 in taxes. The company would pay me the $50,000. I would deposit that into my personal checking account, and then I would pay the department, the treasury, the $50,000. So our first consideration when considering how much is the quote-unquote right amount of profit to take is, how much is our tax liability going to be? Now, if you don't have a tax strategy, this is likely something you need to figure out pretty soon. And I would, I would um, suggest you go back and listen to episodes 12 and 49 of this podcast where I walk you through things to consider when developing your tax strategy. Generally, you for sure need to take out at least as much profit of the company as it takes to pay your personal tax liability each quarter, each year, each month, whatever plan you're on. Many folks are on quarterly. That's fine. You need to at least take out enough profit in distributions from the company to pay your tax liability. You can do this on quote unquote regular quarterly intervals like the end of March, end of June, end of September, end of December, kind of the, the end of the quarter kind of a thing. You can do it at the the day after the end of the quarter. So the 1st of April, the 1st of January, the 1st of July, 1st of October. You can do it coinciding with the IRS's goofy quarters, April, June, September, January. It doesn't matter as long as you have a plan. If you don't have a plan, please go listen to those earlier episodes. Again, they're episodes 12 and 49. I'm skipping a lot of information here for those who have already heard it. So if you haven't heard those, and you're taking this little bit of information I'm saying here, and you're trying to make big decisions about how your tax strategy should be, you could get yourself in trouble. So um, making decisions based only on what I've said here today would have you making decisions on way less than all the necessary information. I do not recommend that. Please go check out those other podcast episodes. But back to our first bucket, our first bucket of profit, what to do with it is our personal tax liability. We need to at least withdraw enough profit from the company to pay that. Okay, bucket number two, the rainy day fund, as it's called in the book Profit First. How much money you want to accumulate and keep in your emergency savings account should be a major factor in determining how much money you take or leave in the company's coffers. So you could say, I want to have a month's revenue 
in my emergency savings account, my rainy day fund. You could say, I want three months expenses. You could say, I want five months expenses. And it could change depending on the economic and industry situation in your area. Me personally, I never wanted to have less than two full payrolls in savings, period, full stop. But sometimes it seemed to make more sense to have two or three months expenses, which is a much loftier goal. So it can change once you've just, uh, uh assess that maybe we need to have a little more like right now in this is January, 2023 is this coming out. I would say to folks having more money in their rainy day fund today makes sense than it did a year and a half ago. There's no question. We are at a time where uh, expenses, including labor at an all time high for almost all industries. And it's very possible, if not likely demand for almost all service industries is going to fall over the next one to three years. How that's going to impact each one of us individually is going to vary, but it's going to probably never know. Uh, some miracle could happen and we could have the longest ever economic cycle uptrend in the history of mankind. Generally, these things run in seven to 10 year cycles. We're kind of at the end of a 13 ish run, 13 uh, ish year run. Uh, history would tell us that it's going to, uh, the economy is going to contract some over the next few years and take off again. Who knows? But today, I would want to have more in my rainy day fund than I did 18 months ago based on that one thing alone, for example. So my point is, the amount of money in our rainy day fund could change. Our, our target number of dollars to hold in our rainy day fund could change, and that would therefore change the amount of money we were able to take out in profits. So if we all of a sudden decide we want to go from having two months' expenses in the savings account to three months' expenses, whatever that one month of expenses difference is, would be money we would not take in distributions. Um, conversely, once you have achieved the desired level of financial cushion you've aimed for, taking profits might be really lean while you're building up that two months of expenses, for example, in your savings account. And then once you have, you might start taking tremendously higher amounts of distributions because you're no longer keeping that money in the company for that cushion. Now, keep in mind whether or not you take or leave profits, you will pay taxes as if you had taken them, just the same again, unless you're a C Corp. For most companies, though, most service based companies are LLCs or S Corps or LLCs filing as S Corps. And if your company generates profits, the IRS wants their piece, whether you take that money or you leave it, it doesn't matter. It will also change as your company grows the amount that you need to keep in that, uh, those rainy day funds. Even if you decide I want to keep two months of expenses in my rainy day account, as the company grows, that dollar amount is going to change. When you're a $2 million company, two months of expenses is less than when you're a $5 million company, for example. So in this particular bucket is not a static number, and you'll want to assess it regularly. Maybe quarterly. You could do it monthly. I guess if you wanted, that would probably be a little overkill. Quarterly would be fine. Twice a year, I think, would be fine. Like Whatever, whatever your comfort level is, and just making sure that you are keeping that cushion that you want in your rainy day fund, that would be a, a, a key piece of information to tell you how much money you should be taking out of the company in profits and how much you should not. The next category to consider is growth. To grow, you need to buy stuff, trucks, equipment, software, etc. There's no shortage of things to have to pay for when you want to grow. And you'll need to know the capital investment necessary to grow in a given period of time with whatever purchasing strategy you intend to use. So for example, if you want to buy $175,000 worth of equipment over the next year, so you can hire and add two employees generating revenue, 
you need to know how much this is going to cost upfront out of pocket. Are you going to pay for all the assets in cash, in which case you would need $175,000 available in the next year? Or are you borrowing money? And if so, are you going to need 10% down, which is $17,500? You need 20% down, which is $35,000. If so, that would mean $35,000 is not available to take out as profit distributions. You also want to be looking at what, if any, balloon payments are due for previous purchases. Now, hopefully nobody's buying stuff anymore where there's big balloon payments due. I hope those days are over. But if you have a situation where you bought something and have a balloon payment, you just got to know what year it's going to be due. And you got to make sure there's enough money in the bank to pay for it. What loans are now small enough that it makes sense to just pay them off this year and get that debt off our books in case we need to borrow money in a hurry? So, for example, if you borrowed $70,000 five years ago, let's say, and you owe $4,500 on that, owing $4,500 will show as owing $70,000 that's not been fully paid back yet. So when your banker asks you to fill out your personal financial statement and it says, I borrowed $70,000 and I still owe, that loan is still not paid, that $4,500 in effect could have a, a $70,000 hit to your, your borrowing ability, depending on your relationship with your banker and your bank and your credit, blah, 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 blah. But my point is, if you get things down to a point where it's like, hey, does it make sense to have this $2,500 balance on a $70,000 loan? Like, let's just pay that off. And then if we needed to, we could borrow another chunk of money. That would make sense in many cases. Not saying to do that. I'm saying for me personally, there was a threshold I had where it got when loans got under a certain dollar amount, depending on how big our company was, depending on where we were uh, in that growth cycle, you know, that number changed dramatically over we had 17 employees. It was a lot different than we had 50 employees. That never changes a lot. But I had a threshold when, when loans got under a certain amount, I would say, let's just pay it off and not have that, that $70,000 or whatever showing as an open balance that we owe. Now, I know this part here can sound overwhelming. And I just, I promise you, it's not as bad as it sounds. You're probably only going to do this a few times a year. This, you're not making decisions on this kind of stuff 83 times a year. Like this is something that you do very rarely, again, a few times a year. Hopefully you'll make a growth plan or a budget late in the year for the following year. And then you'll see these things and there'll be a handful of them. There might be three, there might be five, there might be seven. And then you'll adjust it a couple of times over the course of the year as things change. You're not going to have to spend a ton of time each month figuring out how many loans you have that have re reached your payoff threshold or how many dollars you need to have in the bank. So you can grow like these aren't things you're going to have to spend a lot of time considering many times a year. You're going to do this once, twice, maybe three or four times, and that's it. So this is not as overwhelming as it sounds. I promise you this one, frankly, out of all the four, this one's probably the easiest. And before you know it, it'll be happening organically and with little effort or even little forethought. I, I promise you this one is one of the easier ones, if not the easiest. All right. And the last bucket is personal compensation. Now, again, this is not to be um, counted or considered the same way as your tax liability. The distributions taken to pay your tax liability should not be considered compensation and compensation should not be considered money you spend on your taxes. I'm not being compensated in any way when I deposit $50,000 in my personal checking account from the company so I can pay that same $50,000 for the privilege of owning a business to the treasury. That's not compensation. And if that's all I'm going to get financially for the significant financial risk I'm taking by attempting to do this thing, build a company where well over 80% of people who try fail, I need to really evaluate my risk reward expectations and limits. It does not make sense for me to do that 
does not make sense for me to, to risk bankruptcy, personally ruining my family's financial future and not make any money doing it. That's, that's a silly proposition. Like, let's not do that. I'm talking about the personal compensation as in money I can spend however I choose to fund the lifestyle I'm building. What amount is acceptable for, for the risk I'm taking, for the stress, for the maybe the, the hours, days, or years taken off my life from the sleepless nights, <laughs> the aggravation, the disappointment, the, the you know, there's no, there's no shortage of anxiety and stress that goes along with this. There just isn't. There's also tremendous time away from family and other loved ones. There's time not pursuing things like leisure and fun and other happiness. There's times you have to work when you own the company, when everybody else goes on vacation or when they go camping for the weekend or when they do whatever. That should be compensated. So these are the four buckets I recommend you consider. Taxes, your personal taxes, your rainy day fund, growth, and personal compensation. Now, how you decide to allocate funds amongst those buckets is completely up to you and not for me to say. You might have a much higher or lower tolerance of risk than me, for example, which would change how much money you need to have tucked away to feel safe in your rainy day fund. I'm not going to be able to say how much you should have for that. I'm just saying that is a significant part of the equation for you to figure out. The same with growth. How could I say how fast you should want your company to grow? I don't have any idea how fast you should want your company to grow. I don't know what your risk tolerance is. I don't know what your, your expectations are to, to get that done. But leaving enough money in the company to grow is absolutely necessary. We can't overlook that. The only bucket I have a really strong opinion about, which I think you've heard, is the tax bucket. You absolutely need to pull enough money from di- in distributions from the company to fund your personal tax liability. Now, The other thing is how you set up this can change. You could be very regimented and say, okay, we're, for every... $10,000 in profits we we pull from the company, you know, 5,000 will go to paying our personal tax liability. So let's say we're going to do this quarterly. We're going to pull $10,000 every quarter in distributions. We could say, okay, 5,000 is going to go to fund our tax liability and 2,500 is going to go to our rainy day fund. This year, we do, we're not going to really grow that much. We just bought a bunch of equipment last year. We don't need much, but we're, we'll put 500 bucks a month aside for that. And the remainder will go as personal compensation. You could have a mathematical equation like that where it just kind of runs on autopilot every time you hammer a distribution check or every time you're going to hammer a distribution check, you could allocate the funds that way. And that money for the rainy day fund and the money for the growth would not actually leave the company. They would You would set up accounts for those and you would have a savings account for growth and you would have a savings account for, for the rainy day fund. Kind of, again, profit first model is kind of how, how I'd look at that. Or you could say, some other mathematical formula you want, like you could say, we're going to do a year-end bonus. We're going to pay the bulk of our personal compensation is going to be based on the performance of the company, and, and we'll we'll do it that way. All I'm saying is these are the four buckets that should be considered before you make a decision on how much is, quote-unquote, the right amount. Some years you might say, I don't want to grow any this year. I, I need to, I need to um, build some more processes and systems and get and get what we have running more efficiently before we look at growing. And maybe those years you say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and uh, take a little more personal compensation. And other years you might say, you know what, we've been kind of slacking a little bit on growth and we need to really grow. And I'm going to take less personal compensation and we're going to put more money into growth. All I'm saying is these are the four buckets that, that should be considered. How you actually decide to do the math is completely up to you. But after you've gone through these things and you've kind of penciled out, 
first of all, you're going to see there's less money available than what you want to do all these things. And you're going to have to make decisions on how much growth matters to you versus, versus how much having a safety cushion matters to you versus how much compensation matters to you. Those three, you got to kind of balance. The taxes, you just got to you just have to do. The company has to pay your taxes, period, full stop. But the other three, you kind of have to figure out for every dollar that's available for these three categories, how much is compensation, how much is risk, and how much is growth, right? All right, more on this in a, in a moment. First, let me take a second to tell you about uh, successgoodies.com. I'm really happy to announce this. I've been telling you for the last uh, few weeks, I've launched a new short video series. The same kind of things we talk about here. These are usually two to six minute videos. On successgoodies.com, though, it's a page on my website. If you just type in successgoodies.com, it takes you directly to this page on my website. These uh, two to six minute videos are categorized by the pillars of progress we focus on here, which of course is people, which would include employees and customers, processes, which includes processes and procedures, profitability, which covers everything from pricing to stuff we're talking about now uh, with you know taxes and understanding financials planning, personal development. There's five of these pillars of progress that I talk about a lot. The videos on successgoodies.com are categorized. There's only a handful on there now. There, I think there's about 25 or so on there now. I'll be adding more every week over the next several months. So uh, go check that out. Again, also, if you have a friend who says, yeah, I'd like to know if there's somebody who can help me. I'm struggling with this. I got employee problems or I can't hire. or I don't understand how to read financials or I know I need to write, write procedures. I don't even know where to start on that kind of stuff. This is a great page to share with them. A great way to see if they like my style and vibe so they can decide if I'm a good resource for them to solve their problems that they're facing. Uh, see if they want to come check out the podcast and they kind of check out these short two to six minute videos. If they like that, they might say, yeah, I'll do a longer form thing and check out the, the podcast. It's an easy way for them to find the solution they need because things are easily categorized where the podcast is just kind of a um, random, we just kind of do these things randomly. We take on these topics, but on that successgoodies.com, they, the, the videos are categorized. So if you're like, I haven't, per I'm having personnel problems, you go to the people section and you watch people videos. I'm having profitability things. I don't understand how to read a financial document. Go to the profitability section, watch a few videos on the profitability stuff. So again, great way to help a friend out who's struggling with some things. As business owners, people are going to tell you things that they wouldn't tell anybody else because you, you get it. You understand the embarrassment of feeling like you should know how to read a financial document. You don't, or you got personnel problems and you're where you deal with the same thing you dealt with six months ago again, and you're tired of it, <laughs> they're going to tell you about this stuff because they know you can understand it. So this is a great place to send folks to give them some help, successgoodies.com. I'm super happy about that. All right. So back to our topic today, the four buckets I recommend you consider for taxes uh, or for, for distributions is taxes. This is a, a this one's a, a zero sum thing. The company full fully must be able to fund your personal tax liability that the company causes, all right? The next one is the rainy day fund. How much money do you need to have in an emergency savings account to feel safe that if something catastrophic happened, the company could endure it? And when I talk about catastrophic things, it could be like, like COVID. Obviously, that's a, that's a recent example. Could be a dramatic downturn in demand like we had in 2001 and many industries had a, a, you know, 2001, 2002 had a real dramatic downturn in demand, same thing in 2008, 2009, 2010, that, you know, that those kinds of things we want to prepare for, um, some other kind of, you know, fluke thing that happens to the company. Uh, these are the kind of things we want to say, we want to have X amount of months expenses or X amount of payrolls or X amount of months revenue, whatever it is in the rainy day fund, 
you would take less distributions while you're building that up. And then once you hit the threshold that makes you happy, then you would be able to take more distributions. Super simple on that one. Growth is the next bucket. So we got taxes, rainy day fund. Next one is growth, which is super simple. How much do I plan to grow? How much is that going to cost me in equipment or software or whatever? And how much based on how I plan to buy that stuff is it going to cost me out of pocket? That's money that's not available for distributions. If it's, if I'm going to, you know, borrow $175,000, I need, uh, you know, 20% down. That's $35,000. That's $35,000 the company has to have. So if I took that $35,000, I would be slowing the growth of the company. And the last one, of course, is personal compensation, which should not be confused or uh, mixed up with the tax one. You might take it all in one check. You might say, okay, I owe $7,500 in taxes. And I'm going to take $2,500 in personal compensation. I'm going to write one check for 10 grand. That's fine. I got no problem with that. I'm just saying we can't consider personal compensation money we're going to use to pay taxes because that's not personal compensation. That's money you're transferring from the company to the IRS for the privilege of being a business owner and vice versa. We can't certainly cannot use tax money to to buy things that we want like boats and toys. (laughs) That would be really bad. So in this order... Go through and figure out how much money you need to be you need allocated to each. So I say go in this order: taxes, rainy day fund, growth, personal compensation. In that order is what I recommend. And once you kind of figure out how much you need in each one, you're going to know exactly how much you should be taking distributions per year or this year. Now, again, especially the earlier the company is in its its life cycle, the more we're going to be disappointed about how little money there is to take out based on those four buckets. There's no question. And as the company grows, and as you get that rainy day fund built up, and as you have to have less money down, or or it's a a smaller financial burden to have these growth expenses, the capital expenditures, then there's more money available. So just understand that's part of the life cycle. In the beginning, things are lean. There is no question. You might go five years without taking any money out of the company besides paying the taxes. It might be more, it might be less. Just understand as the company grows, if things are going well, that amount of money will increase every year, percentage-wise and dollars-wise. But in the beginning, it will be lean. So don't think that that's happening because you're doing something wrong. That's just the way it works. All right. Don't forget to go to successgoodies.com to check out my new series of video shorts today or send a friend there to successgoodies.com. Great way for him to check me out and see if uh, the stuff I offer is helpful for them. Also, don't forget to subscribe. I know a ton of you guys are listening, but you haven't hit that subscribe button yet. So hit that subscribe button. It takes like literally three seconds. Share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. And if you haven't yet, give us a rating review. I'd sure appreciate that. And that's all for this week. And I will see you all next week.